Welcome to the Permission to Succeed podcast. The purpose of our podcast is to inspire you with stories and wisdom learned from people who are out there killing it. People who at some point in their life gave themselves permission to succeed. Now, onto the show with your hosts, Matt Halloran and Doug Heikinen. Hello and welcome to the Permission to Succeed podcast. We are live at the Market Council Summit meeting in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, sort of Four Seasons Hotel. Our next guest is Gurinder Aluwalia, and he is the CEO of 280 Cap Markets, which of course we have to jump right in and tell us what exactly is that? Well, first, just easily, and thank you for having me, but easily the name comes from the highway that connects Silicon Valley to San Francisco is 280. And that implies that we're using technology to change the way Main Street and Wall Street operate. The highway that connects is 280, and then San Francisco connects to New York with Highway 80. So it's all one beautiful place. Break it down, though. What You're doing something fundamentally unique in this RIA space. Can you elaborate on that, please? Yeah. So about three years ago, we asked ourselves, how do advisors, RIAs, go out and procure individual bonds if they're doing that business? Many of them are using different solutions, but if they're buying individual securities, we said, how do they do that, and how has technology changed to help them? And we didn't come back with a strong answer. Oh. And so that was the genesis of the business, and what we've created is the ability to be the trading desk and service provider for the advisor. And so we're on the same side of the table as them, and the idea was to level the playing field. But you work in the fixed income space specifically. That's your niche, correct? Correct, because when you look at the equity markets, those are very liquid. You can go on your iPhone, and we can all do that. Mm -hmm. Well, when it comes to fixed income, it's a very different set of problems. It's a long tail. The number of offerings is you know, 100x what you're seeing in the uh, equity markets. And so with that, you don't always have the same liquidity, and that then brings pricing challenges and transparency and clarity of those bonds. So that's the stuff we're working on. Can you elaborate on how you have helped solve some of the liquidity issues? Yeah. So, you know, what you're trying to do is the, the, there's two sides of that, right? I mean, you're trying to solve, when you say solve the liquidity issue, first you're trying to help someone get an understanding of do they have access to a broad enough universe of bonds. So the first thing we have to do is actually give them access to a breadth that is, um, you know, second to none. Then you have to give them context or contextualize that set of offerings. And so we call that clarity. So access, clarity, and the third piece is confidence. Mm -hmm. And that last piece, what we do is we say, how do we then make sure that when they're interested in buying a bond, an individual security, that we're sitting on the same side with them? So how do we create alignment in the way we get paid is based on how much we can save them. So, yeah, we start with, it's very different than everywhere else in life. Yeah, when okay. you think about you want to go buy a sandwich or you right. take a room in this hotel, studies and work is done to say, what's the market clearing price to sell you that at? Well, what we said is, let's, again, when you have a luxury of a white sheet of paper, there's a market out there for these bonds. But at the same time, let's turn that challenge of liquidity on its head. We now can bring buyers, these advisors, to the table but be able to do it with a capital markets approach so the seller doesn't always know who's behind that purchase. And that gives us the ability to negotiate downward if you're buying a bond in price and then share those savings with the advisor. The more we save, the more everyone's happy. And that's an amazing alignment to have. All right, Grinder, I'm going to play devil's advocate just real quick if you, if you don't mind. Um, 
I'm going to throw probably an objection you hear all the time, which is, what about interest rates? I mean, how, how are you managing all of this in a fluctuating interest rate environment? So we are a part of the advisor's ecosystem. That's an advisor's decision to decide when do they want to move towards more fixed income and when are they using individual securities, a ladder, a portfolio construction, or are they using a separate account or a fund solution. That's the advisor's choice. We're not trying to change their religion. We're trying to actually support the advisor and meet them where they are. So that's how we're approaching it. Now, I think the good news is the relative value of fixed income is only going up right now. So Yeah. All right. Gurinder, this is the Permission to Succeed podcast. So now we want to find out about you. You reside in the Bay Area. Is that where you grew up? No, I actually grew up in uh, Rockland County, New York. Um, went to school on the East Coast and then from there I... Uh, moved quite a bit, about 10 locations in 25 years. But the good news is the last two locations have been for 15 years. When's your first um, memory of being an entrepreneur? You know, labels are funny. So the word entrepreneur is a label. And so for me, on a technical basis, I could say uh, the first company that I founded and started is this one. But I could tell you that I've dropped into environments where I moved to Tokyo in 2000 and I was asked to take a bankrupt life insurance company's risk management and build a team and build a capability overnight. And so you started de novo, but it was with somebody else's capital. So was I the entrepreneur or was I just a business builder? And are they the same? So go back further when you're um, you know, growing up with your family, what, what are the, some of the, who, who did you kind of look at and say, that inspires me, I want to do that, I want to be that, or, or I want to dream? Yeah, so it's interesting. If I go back to my childhood, which is kind of interesting and, and weird at the same time here, but I grew up in an Irish town. Pearl River is a, it probably has the second largest Irish day parade in the country after New York City, which is incredible because the town is 30,000 people. Streets are painted green, etc. So when you ask, when you ask who I identified with, it's my dad. He looked like me. That's who I could really viscerally identify with, and I wanted to be like him. He was a professor, uh, an educator, and I was like, I was proud to have him as my dad. So that's who I would say. Going through your life and finding obstacles, is there certain points when you decided that? you were to give yourself permission to be successful and go out there and, and, and kill something? And has it happened again and again? My first memory around giving yourself a chance to be successful. So my, 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 my first memory of basically having a chance to uh, make a decision on my own is really how I think about that. And going counter to what is expected Growing up in an Indian household, and like I mentioned, my father being a professor, my brothers are doctors, my sister's a PhD, it was assumed I was going to get a PhD. I assumed I was going to get a PhD. I was in a PhD program, and I was getting straight A's and all of that, and it was time to work on my thesis for, for my doctoral thesis, and I <clears throat> recognized that I wanted to engage with people. <clears throat> and this idea of writing a thesis wasn't my passion. And I remember that I needed to go talk to my dad about that because, you know, you're still young and 23 at the time or 22. And so I remember being nervous, but 
it was incredible the response I got from him. And it was all about the passion. And he said, you have to pursue your passion. And I was also doing it from a position of strength. And what I mean by that is, I remember earlier in, in, in college, I was struggling with some courses and I was thinking of changing my major to physics because I found that easy. And my dad had said to me, you don't change because something's easy, you change because it's what you want and what's your pursuit. And so when I had the conversation around my PhD, it was a lot easier because I was getting straight A's and I was doing very well there, but it truly wasn't waking me up and inspiring me every day. And so he was really supportive, actually. I ended up quitting my PhD program, got my master's and went to work for GE at the time. Did that surprise you, his reaction? Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you just become more proud of your dad at that moment, too. Yeah. Were you expecting him to, like, wring your neck? I mean... <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, we, we used to have a... I think it's called corporal punishment, right? So yeah, we, yeah. We, oh, we, yeah. Yeah, we, we believe in that. <laughs> at least the old generation. Yeah. Did. All right. My Not parents us as parents, too. but I can tell you, growing up... The wooden spoon. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or much worse. All right. Well, I want to... When they dropped you in in Japan... Right, there has to be something about you, how your brain works, that somebody says, "Grinder, oh my God, you're the guy." How did you become that guy? I was very fortunate early in my career. I ended up on a set of programs inside of GE. This is back in the early '90s of GE, a very different company than it is today, where they were investing in talent, and so they identified talent early. And I was on, for example, the audit staff. Every four months, you were dropped into another company somewhere around the world, and you were working with the CEOs and the C-suite of that business to either diagnose it, audit it, uh, do a compliance review, or something like that, and report back to the board of GE. That's a pretty heady role to play at a young age. Yeah. And so what you learn very quickly is within four months, you better learn how to learn. How do you incorporate disparate sets of data, information, conversations, and bring it together in a way that you can create a model right, in your head, a framework? And that's what I really learned, is how to create frameworks and engage with people quickly. Now, you have a very interesting skill set, because obviously, with your brain working like that, right, you have a highly technical, highly analytical thing. But as we're preparing for the podcast, we're in here just laughing, and everybody who is you know, told me about you coming on the podcast, like, this guy is just freaking amazing. How do you balance that? Because those are literally two, I mean, are you mildly schizophrenic? I mean, how does that work? <laughs> no, I think you're giving me a lot more credit on the technical side, right? So I think, you know, it's funny. If I go back 15 years or 20 years, I worried that I was a jack of many trades, master of none, and arguably an unemployable individual. Because when you looked at my experiences, you'd say, okay, so you spent about a few years in different areas. You were in procurement and risk, Six Sigma operations roles, audit function, corporate finance. What do you want to do when you grow up? And if you're not growing up, what's wrong with you, right? I mean, that's the kind of interview you could expect to have. Now, fortunately, I've never really had to have many interviews. Um, you get recognized or pulled by people. How are you able to balance the, your ability to handle the technical stuff? And I'm not necessarily saying technical from a, a mathematics perspective. It's a systematic way of thinking, right? And that doesn't always lend to great social skills. Okay, that's fair. But I don't think I have great social skills, and I can feel it. Let me just tell you, no, okay, I'll right. be, you want to be real. 
knowing that I have to, even the way I just said that, I have to come to this conference. I, of course, want to be here, you know, and Brian puts on an amazing program. And the people that I can engage with here are so valuable to me personally, professionally, in so many levels, and I know them from past. Mm -hmm. But I still don't find it easy to walk into a room like that. It's weird. So, but you have to understand those things about yourself and then, you know, deal with it. And I'm lucky I have a spouse who's amazing and so you can talk to her and then she'll tell me to just suck it up and stop whining, right? So, uh, so I think sometimes the, what we see isn't the truth, right? We have to look underneath the surface. You've been leader of some big companies. Are those same insecurities, and I'm just calling them insecurities, true when you're responsible for the, you know, all those people at once? That's a good question. So no, if you're standing in front of your own organization, you've built that relationship and it's deep. Here, you know, you walk into a room where people already networked together. You don't know if you fit in. Are you the outcast? What you're referring to are really situations that where you know I knew I was included. It was an inclusive environment where you knew you were going to be good, and that's true here too. The moment I get here and I get my coffee, I'm in and I'm engaged, and you know I happen to have attributes that make me recognizable, so it ends up being a kind of easy then dialogue with people. So yeah. Permission to Succeed is the name of the podcast, right? And you have to overcome insecurities. You have to overcome whatever in order to give yourself that permission. How do you dig deep? Where do you find that energy to overcome that, to get that cup of coffee and to, to network and do that stuff here? Where does that come from within you? It's interesting, right? I mean, I would say it's, it's the, the banner is purpose. And then underneath that, Banner is different elements. Part of it, I look at the team that we brought on. We have 40 people that believe in what we're doing at 280 Cap Markets. And so you can't let them down. I have a role to do. And so I would say for that, that's the thing that gets me to push harder. You know, there's aspects around making sure I'm smart about the choices I make because I'm a father, right? And I have two daughters. And you think with that lens at times, like tonight I'm flying home a little early because I need to be back home for my kids. So I think you look at different, the purpose is the headline, and then there's different aspects of that. There's a professional and personal and spiritual ones, economic ones. I mean, there's all reasons that people have underneath that, but it's identifying the purpose. Now, do you have a, when you feel like you have gone astray a little bit, because we all do that, do you have anything, a saying, a mantra, uh, something that allows you to kind of hit that hard reset button? And, and I'm sorry, I'm going to preface this. The, the audience here are going to be young entrepreneurs, right? And so a lot of times they don't realize the importance of that. So do you have something like that? I think the thing that has helped me the most is as you get older, is you recognize that it truly is the power of the community. I, and that's, you know it actually gets chills for me because that word means so many things, right? There's an element where when you walk in a room like this and I talked about it, we as people have our own sort of insecurities that handicap us. But when I walk in a room, there were people who want to help me without even me saying anything. I walked up to go get this cup of coffee and David Cantor says, hey, let me buy you a cup of coffee while I'm on the phone. I'm like, no, no, I got it. And then he's like, well, what do you want to eat? So then I order a muffin. And then he introduces me to an advisor and says, oh, Grinder, you should connect with him. Hmm. Every success we have as people 
is because others helped us get there. We are not doing this alone. And I spend a lot of time with my daughters trying to have them learn that. As when you're young, it's hard. I mean, I remember being young and I'm going to do it on my own merit. I am different. I'm not going to get favors. Well, it's not a favor. It's an ecosystem. It's a village. It's a community. We're helping each other build a better community. And so I think that's the thing that is hard uh, as a young person to understand. All the other aspects of a startup are real, right? The mm-hmm. difficulty, you have to have the, 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 the guts to do it and mm-hmm. the intestinal fortitude because it's long. But you have to take advantage of the community. And I think I'm lucky, as you pointed out earlier, there are people that I know and want to help because they see what we're trying to do from a purpose. So again, back to the startup, it has to have real value to the community so that the community will get behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it's the community that's the answer to this question too. And it is, how do you deal with sudden change? The unexpected happens to you and it may have happened to you over your career. You're let down, something unfortunate happens and you gotta pick yourself up. How, how do you do that and what's your advice to people? Of course it's happened. Of course it's happened, right? Different gradations, right? Sometimes the letdown is big, and I think you just have to step away. And I happen to have a great support structure, my wife, as I mentioned, my religion, I would say. You know, you look deeply internally. I came up with this saying for some other people when they were going through some tough times, and I thought about it, my own tough times, and I said to them, and I love this phrase, the arc of life is greater than the horizon we can see. So that's a little bit of my engineering applied. That's awesome. But the arc of life is greater than the horizon we can see. And if you remember that in those tough times at varying levels, it helps you pause, reset, and figure out what you want to do. I'm going to have you rewind not many years ago, but when you really got dropped into the world of business. If you were going to give your younger self that one piece of advice to maybe slap yourself around a little bit and like, wake up, dude, I, I really wish I would have known this, what would you pass on to yourself? Again, I was really lucky that in the environment, I think what I would pass on to someone is get a set of experiences to help you figure out what you want to do and learn from others too, because there's so much that can be gained from. There's always going to be the home run hitters like the Mark Zuckerbergs, and you can point to those individuals. But you know, what I worry sometimes is people then say that's the new path. And I don't need to do anything uh, to build my foundation. I, I can start out at genius level out of the gates. For me, you know, again, I, I don't want to preach. So I would say for me, what was worked was I was able to have a set of experiences that built a foundation for me to then go do other things. Grinder, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Our guest was Grinder Aluwalia, and he is the CEO of 280 Cap Markets. I'm just going to close with just one quick thing, which is we're not doing this alone. And if you feel like you're doing this alone, in my opinion, and I think our guest and, and, and Doug, too, will say, if you feel like you're doing it alone, then you're really not doing it right. Because it does take a community. The more people you can surround yourself with, the better. So with that, thank you very much for listening to the Permission to See podcast. This is Matt Halloran. And if you have not subscribed yet, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. And if you know anybody who would really like to hear Gurinder's message, please make sure that you just click that share button and tag somebody at it and say, hey, we think you would really, 
really like this. You too need to give yourself permission to succeed. So for everybody at 280 Cat Markets, Iris, and Top Advisor Marketing, this is Matt Haller, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.